everybody, welcome to the Sales Factory. Coach Carol here with another episode. And do I have an interesting guest for you this time? Uh, I'm with my man, Billy Stevens. And you may have never heard his name before, but I've got to tell you, uh, I'd never heard of him until I was in Dallas a few months ago. And uh, I was down there at, at Matt Monero's event. Uh, Matt Monero and Judge Graham they had the Attack and Conquer Boot Camp, which you guys have heard me talk about. Uh, Credit Carl and I talked about, we were there together. But after the event on the second day, um, my good friend, Jamie Waite, you guys may know him, the AC hero, he had a whiteboard entrepreneur party and uh, had a bunch of people over. And so, you know, we're there networking and stuff. And I see this guy that looks kind of like Chuck Norris. And I'm like, man, he's a little older guy. He doesn't really fit in. These are all younger cats here. I'm going to go talk to him. He's probably got some wisdom for me. And uh, Billy was nice enough to sit down with me for gosh, I don't know, an hour, probably longer than that. And uh, we just talked all things small business. Billy had a very successful plumbing business that he grew and exited. Uh, he started another plumbing business. And now he's got a company called Service Shift, which is completely disrupting the industry when it comes to the technology side and software of running a service business. And I'll let Billy tell you a little bit more about that. Um, super great guy, uh, down to earth, uh, probably haven't met more of a real person. You know, a lot of times when you talk to people that have grown big businesses and sold them, they kind of have an inflated ego. I didn't get that from Billy at all. So I wanted to invite him onto the Sales Factory podcast. Billy, thanks so much for coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Well, so let's hop right into this, man. Give give everybody a little background. You know, I know service shift's your main focus right now, but you know, in a, in a short little uh, capsule of time, kind of re re uh, recoup for us everything that you've kind of done to get up to this point. I know you've been a pretty successful business owner in the past, and still a successful business owner in consulting. Uh, I know with your company Billy Go there, but uh, focused mainly now on the technology side and service shift. We talked a little bit about that, but. Let everybody know uh, about your first plumbing company and how you got to where you're at right now. Sure. Uh, well, that was way back in 96. Well, most of you guys were in diapers, I'm assuming, by, <laughs> back then. And uh, I was basically working for a home builder, and uh, we had this plumber, and he would come out and do the, do the work and did real good work, and then he started being late, not showing up. And when I would confront him about it, they told me they were so busy that they just couldn't get to us. And I asked, well, what is it gonna to take to get you over there? He goes, well, if you raise, I'll raise the prices 20% and I can be there in three weeks. And I'm like, you're out of your mind, you're gone, you're out of here. <laughs> well, I searched around for a couple of plumbers, uh, you know, for a couple of weeks and never really got anyone interested in bidding our work. And this, again, this was new construction homes and uh, in Dallas in the late 90s, it started picking up a lot. So I went with my tail between my legs and uh, basically went back over there to this little company called Berkey's that did new construction. And uh, I said, look guys, uh, I guess I'll pay your 20%. Can you be here next week? And they go, well, we'll take your 20%, but it's three weeks from today, not three weeks from when we told you last time. And I'm like, what's going on here? And so we sit down and chat a little bit. About two months later, um, I was able to purchase the company. Um, I paid $225,000 for this company okay. and it was doing about a million dollars in revenue, new construction and had a sprinkling of service. Um, so I had to borrow $10,000 from my father-in-law, but the funny thing is I paid him back in less than two months, I paid him back $10,000 with $500 interest. 
wow. in about 45 days. Uh, just so happens that the AR was not being taken care of at, uh, at that company, and we were able to retrieve $275,000 of uncollected AR in that first month of business, and we were off to the races. So basically, oh, we did Basically, we didn't pay a dime for the company, and we were just going for it. But I figured I learned one lesson right away, and that lesson was that the builder was in control of my future, and so I needed to try something different, and I wanted to try service. And so at the time, we were charging $45 an hour, and I raised it to 60 and figured we'd get rich, and nothing really changed. Um, we were still barely making it um, with service. Uh, so at that point, I was like, well, my new construction is doing well. I'll just sell it off and I'll take the proceeds from that. And I really start marketing and building this company and figuring out what to do. And not being a technician or anything in the past, I had an, a clean slate. I had uh, the opportunity to look at things from a whole new direction. And uh, that's what we did from day one. I uh, didn't have money, of course, as you know. And so we built a very efficient business. The only way I could come up with money was not to actually spend it trying to run the business. So I focused on efficiency and that was really the success that we had. So the more efficient we became, the better company we became and therefore the company grew where all you hear now is grow, 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 grow. But if you grow and your costs and your inefficiencies are still there, you're still in the same spot you were, even though you're 5 million bigger or a million bigger or half a million bigger, whatever mm. you are, your cost is the same or even greater because you're adding layers of management and things like that. So we really focused on how do we run an efficient uh, machine here? And by doing that, we created cash flow. And with that cash flow, we were able to grow, buy some businesses and grow the company. Yeah. You know, That's you how I got me started. At, at Jamie's party, you told me something that was really interesting. We spoke up there that <clears throat> you guys would go through the phone book every year and, and call the plumbers that were in the phone book. And if the phone was disconnected, you would call and try to buy the phone number. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, yes, we had genius. over 100 phone numbers ringing into our, our business. Wow. Um, I don't remember the exact cost, but I want to say it was like, twenty dollars twenty something dollars a month uh for each phone line um a year or a month i think it wasn't very much and uh that's a lot how we grew our business because back then when you moved you had to change phone numbers and uh there was this really old long-standing new construction plumbing company just down the street where we were from us and they decided to move out in the country because they sold their property for some more money in the city. And they moved out to the country and turned their phone off and changed their number. Well, for 20 years, they put stickers on their water heaters. So we went and grabbed that phone number. And immediately, we were getting water heater calls. And we built a big customer base based on the fact that those guys left town. But they were still in business and doing great. Wow. <laughs> Just, you know, it's uh working smart not hard right some of those things that you just mentioned there you know like buying that company for two hundred twenty five thousand dollars and going in and being able to just pull their accounts receivables that they were slacking on to pay for the company basically got it for free for a little bit of collections work um that's amazing man so so you build this company up you move you you move to the point where you're, you're ready to get rid of it um how did you transition from being a plumber into software because that's a pretty big leap i gotta think well, everything we did 
to be efficient, we did on pen and paper. Okay. Uh, we had a couple of soft, we had successware back in the day. And really all it would do was dispatch. You know, that was the thing that it would do. All the other stuff was too hard to, to work with. It would give you some reports, but it was basically one step above DOS. And then we went to ESC, I believe it was called. And it seemed a little bit fancier, but it really didn't do as good a job as successware, in my opinion. And so with just a dispatching um, software, we were able to pull enough reports, build enough reports that we could start keeping up with KPIs and learning about our business. Mm. And I, was, I became an uh, adamant student about how to read financials. And every, I had the greatest banker in the world, and he's still my great friend to this day. In fact, he just texted me this morning. Um, and what we would do is every month when I'd get the financials in, we would sit down and he would take two hours of his day every month and we would sit down and we would go through the financials of what that all meant and, and what we needed to do. And it always came back. He always gave me this advice that it's not how big you are, it's how much money you have left over. He just kept telling me that over and over and over. He said, cash flows king. He just continued to just put that in my brain and never stop. That's good, man. Yeah, we had, we had talked about that, at Jamie's too. You and I both had mentioned that. Um, you, you told me you said you got to find you a good banker. And I was like, I've had one since I was eighteen because I think so many small business owners and entrepreneurs they don't realize that having a good banking partner um, can make or break you. Uh, and it and I've I've come to the conclusion that sometimes you know opportunities will pop up in front of me. And, you know, if I didn't have my banking friends or partners, uh, as I like to call them, they're partners in my businesses, um, you know, I wouldn't have been able to capitalize on some of them. You know, we just purchased a, a company in Lexington and, um, you know, it was a great deal. I mean, we bought them for like, gosh, 10, about 10% of what their gross revenue was for one year. Um, and, you know, I didn't have the cash on hand to do it, but my bank's like, hey, you've been in business for a decade. You guys have, have never burned us here's the full amount. So I was able to go buy a company with zero money down. Um, I think that's a big, if you're listening to this right now, you know, Billy's putting you onto something really important there, find you a really good banker and make him your friend um, and almost be, let him become a partner in the business because you do need your bankers. <laughs> you definitely do. You know, I always tell people there's two kinds of debt. There's good debt and bad debt. And the good debt is when you invest in your business so you can grow. And the bad debt is going out and buying a TV instead of buying a truck or a sewer machine. Yeah. <laughs> Good, man. So, so you, so you saw some opportunity, it sounds like, uh, in the plumbing business with the software that you guys were using. Is that what kind of sparked the idea to say, Hey, I think I can do better than this. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. Um, even today with the newest software, um, it's pretty much the same thing. You know, there's some more marketing, uh, opportunities. It's easier for the techs to do what they do out in the field. But at the end of the day, it requires a lot of people inside the office to run any of the software that's out there today. And unfortunately, they, the way the software is built today, it's all put on the dispatcher. And, the, and if you know that every business, that anybody that's in the HVAC, plumbing, electrical space, which was what I, what I was in and still in, um, it your whole business revolved around the person dispatching the calls. They knew everything that was going on. The manager was in their ear. The CSRs are in their ear. The owner's in their ear. Everybody goes to the dispatcher. 
And fundamentally, that's wrong. That's, that's the wrong way to build your business, in my opinion. It's the way we've all done it, but it's time to change. There's a better way. And I feel like uh, with Service Shift, we take the pressure off of the dispatcher and have all the information in the software itself. We eliminate the use of spreadsheets for KPIs because all the information is there. We eliminate all the inner office emails, which can number in the hundreds and maybe not even have anything to do with you. Um, and, the, you know, worst of all, it's getting all these emails and they interrupt the fact that you're trying to build KPIs all day, not even running your business. You know, um, that's where, what it's come to today is we're focusing on all these things to build, build, build. But we're not really focusing on how we can actually make a more efficient business. Um, at the end of the day, if you're if you're looking to exit, and probably most of us are, if you're listening to this podcast, you're gonna get the exit dollars based on your cash flow. It's not about how big you are. We weren't the biggest company in Dallas. In fact, we probably weren't even in the top five. But I tell you one thing: I know for a fact we made more money than those five did <laughs> combined. Um, and so. We, um, we always felt that that had to be the focus and service shift does that. It, 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 uh, takes the, uh, inefficiencies, the chaos, um, that comes with the dispatch based software and, and gets rid of that and spreads the information to everyone. It does dispatching itself. And now your dispatchers who basically are your smartest people in the room because they know everything. They are now freed up to observe, and if there's an issue or whatever they need to correct, they can be on top of it, which they'll get messaged and things like that. But all that information of who got the job and why they got the job is all displayed right there, why the machine made that decision. Um, the managers can look at it. The owners can look at it. Everybody knows what's going on. They know when the parts are ordered, who's bringing them, where they're coming from. All these things are right there. You don't have to email. Yeah. Um, it, it does all of these things, which takes the, the, uh, the burden off of the, the dispatchers themselves and, and allows them. I've got to, to do it lightens up the lightens up the human, um, the human capital load too. Right. I mean, if you can leverage the technology, maybe now you don't need three dispatchers. One can manage what three were doing. That's correct. So at, from my experience growing my business, one dispatcher, is one good dispatcher is only capable of running 10 tags. That's it, because they're running 10 tags, CSRs, owners, managers, and whoever else is bothering them. Any more than 10 tags and they're inefficient, you have to go to a second dispatcher. So as you grow your business, you have to continue to do that. Now, not every dispatcher can handle 10. Maybe it's eight, six, or some of them maybe do 12 or 14, but you know, at that point, they're very inefficient and a lot of things get lost. Mm -hmm. um, I think the worst thing in most businesses today is when the dispatcher calls in sick. Um, mm -hmm. that, that is, that is the, probably the worst day of the year for anyone. And, um, you know, it's bad enough when they just go to the restroom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, so what we tried to do was take, take all that burden off the dispatcher so that you can run a more manageable, more informed business which will allow you to grow. And it, at the same time, not only does it um, uh, make your uh, dispatchers more efficient, or maybe you haven't found the perfect dispatcher, so you need, you need this to get going. You know, it just takes someone to observe it. The owner can observe it or whoever. 
uh, doesn't take constant attention, it will notify you if it needs attention. It's smart enough to figure out what are the best calls to run. And I'll give you an example. And, and I'm sure everyone uh, listening today has experienced this is, for instance, you have a full board uh, for the day. There's no way you can take any more calls. And then the next thing you know, you're getting these, maybe you're getting a leaky water heater or maybe you're getting a non-cooling breaker stripping on your air conditioning. You're getting those kind of calls and you, you try to stack them up on top just to keep the customer waiting. But what you're doing is you're stacking them up on top of calls that maybe aren't that important. And a lot of dispatchers, most dispatchers, do not like making that call. Look, right. we're not going to be able to get to you today uh, due to our load. We need to reschedule you. And so the, the, the lesser priority calls uh, end up being done, and those good money calls get pushed to the wayside. Maybe you get them tomorrow, or maybe you get them late that night if it's summer during the HVAC season. But what if you moved all the priority calls up to the front, and then the calls that were like uh, – you know, spring tune-ups, even though it got hot early and you're already busy replacing equipment or fixing equipment, what if those calls could be delayed called automatically, moved to another day, um, the customer's given a little, you know, whatever, uh, $10 off or whatever you decide you want to put in there for moving, kind of like when you get bumped off an airline. Right. And just give them something and they're fine. And don't make them wait, you know, don't, uh, we have a policy when we're, you know, at Billy Go, who is our beta testing company for service shift, there's a policy that if you bump a customer one time, that's the only time, you know, you got to go the second time. Mm -hmm. um, but what we did is once we built this technology and the dispatcher started working on its own, what we found out is most of the days that we would run, we had all what we would call priority one calls on the board and no non-priority calls like uh like in the plumbing industry a leaky faucet is really not what we want to go do there's really no money to be made in that because of all the trips that are involved all the faucets that are out there mm -hmm. so those are, in our opinion are non-priority calls it's probably been dripping for a month anyway so they're not in a big hurry so it automatically bump those kind of calls and it will move up to the top you know water heater replacement whole house drains things like that so that you're actually maximizing your dollar uh, for every call that you're doing. And uh, that's going to increase profitability too. Absolutely. It cre increases profitability. It decreases stress in the office. It decreases the cost of your overhead in the office. Um, it does a lot of these things. And the other neat uh, aspect of service shift is we use what we call right now a widget and it's embedded on your website and everyone has a website, but if you're, if you're in a, plumbing or HVAC space, it's very hard to get on the front page. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of money. You got to write blogs. You got to do all these things. You spend all this money trying to get your website to page one because page two might as well be page 500. It just, it means right. nothing. And with the widget, we found that 51% of our customers are now using the widget instead of calling. So we need less people to answer calls and the widget is designed to, uh, to, uh, to help the customer, you know, help us make decisions on when to schedule that customer without us having any uh, human interaction. Wow. And by doing this, um, you know, we can prioritize calls based on the input from the customer. And what happens is your website becomes a place of profitability once again. Even if you're on page 500, it no longer matters. What you need to do is you need to market 
your brand and, and they will come to your website. And, and as you can see, when you see reports from Google that, you know, maybe you got 15,000 or however many uh, visits or views of your website or whatever, because you've been around or they heard of you, but no one really does anything. They look at it. Maybe they call, but you can't KPI the fact of whether or not they called you because they looked at your website. It just, you can't do it. Right. But with this, and, um, wow. And so the thing about it is you're now using your website as a lead source instead of just lingering on page 500 or page two or wherever it is, you're now using it as a lead source and now it has value again. Yeah. And so these are the things that service ship will bring to the market and we call it service ship because we're definitely shifting the foundation of what's happening out there. Um, yeah. I love the disruptiveness that you guys are um, that you guys are talking about because that's for one that's how you you're going to make a lot of money uh, but for two you're going to help a lot of people because anytime you can switch up the way that things are done um, I like to think that we do that with the power washing industry we're very unique in the way that we handle our clients and and are able to do projects in multiple states um, it sounds like service shift is going to be changing the game up for plumbing, HVAC, electrical. Billy, do you guys have any plans to roll it out to other industries or is it mainly just focused in, in those three? Uh, uh, no, well, of course, you know, those three industries are what I know best, but uh, it is designed to roll out into all industries. It will definitely wow. help you in your industry. Um, it doesn't matter if you're in pest control, if you're in a home service of mm. any kind, um, the dispatching works the same. Mm. The uh, prioritization is you decide what's priority calls. And when you receive those, you put those to the front, you decide what's not priority and you put those on your slow days. You know, typically you might have a day of the week that's not as busy as the other day of the week, or maybe, maybe towards the end of the month, it's not as busy. It was at the first of the month, whatever it is. Um, the, the, uh, the machine itself, the software itself will learn this and, and put these calls in those places, um, so that you can keep your guys busy. Um, every, every day, every week of the, of the year. Wow. And, and, uh, so it does a lot of the thinking for you. I'm telling you, it's, it, it does it. It does it all. We've spent a lot of time. I'm uh, two and a half years on, on this, um, at the three year mark, which is around April is when we're going to release it. Okay. That was going to be my next question. Um, three years and a lot of, a uh, lot of thinking and, uh, a lot of work. Absolutely, man. It sounds like it. I know it's something near and dear to your heart. We talked about it in depth at Jamie's house and um, let's, let's shift back to, I want to ask you, I mean, cause obviously you, you're focused on the, on the tech side now, but you've got a lot of experience in that home service business. What is, what do you think is one of, if not the biggest mistake you see entrepreneurs or, or home service business owners making? I, I think that they're the biggest deal is not creating a culture of success. Mm. I, I really think that is the biggest thing is small companies. I see them all the time. Companies that are 10, 20, 30 years old and they can't get past $3 million or maybe they get stuck there and they, you know, they have guys that have been there a long time. They do things the way they do. If they would invest in their culture and it's, it's kind of funny that uh, you brought, we brought this up because that's what we talked about. Jamie came over and saw me a couple of weeks ago and we talked about building the culture in his business so he could take it to the next level. 
And if you get the people that are working with you every day to believe in what you're doing and you have a direct path and you understand where you're going and they do also, um, you can get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes, um, you know, in, in their meetings, if you had meetings weekly, um, which I highly recommend, the meetings aren't about complaints about what they're not doing right. The meeting shouldn't be about that. It shouldn't be about what you can do for the company. The, the meeting should actually go down to the simple fact that how can I help you as an individual to succeed in the, and reach the goals that you've set for yourself? And if you haven't even set any goals for yourself, let's start setting them now. And we do goal setting. And when we would talk to our techs uh, about, you know, where their goals were, we would let them uh, establish what their sales would be that year. Instead of us going, I want you to do this, we would go, what do you realistically think you could do this year? And they would give us a number and we're like, give us a number you're going to reach. Let's, let's reach that one first. <laughs> and, and so we, would, we did that and then they would reach it and then the confidence would go up and then they would go to the next level. And before long, you know, we had trucks that were doing, you know, a million dollars back in the you know, early 2000s. Wow. Uh, we had, um, you know, on the average, I think we were around $700,000 a truck back then. Um, back when, you know, things were a lot cheaper. Uh, (laughs) And then one thing we did find out, um, we didn't absolutely raise our prices to, to achieve all these goals that we had. We, for, for my guys to reach goals, we had to have a a price that made sense that we can make a reasonable profit. Right. So it was up to us to cut, cut the cost of doing business and then have a reasonable price where now it's raise your price, raise your price, raise your price. And you do nothing about, containing your cost mm. and and it makes it harder to find you're burning your techs out yeah. you're you're making them sell things at extraordinary prices um, because you have to because your business is insufficient you know and mm. you have to do these things and at some point there's going to be a breaking point and the consumer is going to revolt you know it just it's just getting so so high so how can you make more money without being the highest in town you cut your cost of doing business. And what I mean by that is not cut your people, make it more efficient, mm-hmm. cut the re- redundancies, cut out the stuff that doesn't matter. Let the software do it and grow your business. I love it. Um, what's, uh, what's one sales? I mean, obviously it's a sales factory. I've been having a lot of business owners on we've been gearing a lot towards business lately. Um, but what's one sales tip that you could give? Cause I know a lot of times when, when guys start out, um, when they start a business or ladies, uh, when they start a business, um, uh, you know, they're the salesperson, right? And, and, and that's what I really focus on with my content is teaching entrepreneurs how to sell, because I think it's so very important if, if you can't sell, um, you know, I, I see guys all the time, they say, hey, I'm a really, really good technician. So I'm gonna go start a business being the greatest technician in the world. Um, is not going to make the phone ring and it's not going to close the deal. Um, so what's, what's something that you could give the listeners quickly here at the end as we're wrapping up uh, a little sales tip from Billy Stevens? Well, my sales tip is actually anti-sales. Okay. Uh, love it. All right. So we think of things a little bit different. Um, so we don't try to sell anyone anything. We build a system where we inform the customer and give them options and those options are given to them in a way that they can make a decision. And when the customer feels like they're in power to make that decision, 
they're going to buy. You don't have to sell them a thing. And, and I've had, and I was learned, I learned this from a guy named Charlie Greer. He taught, taught me a lot about this kind of stuff, but I saw it in action. And, and like our highest selling tech may not have been our best tech, right? He, but he understood, well, he was a good tech, but he wasn't the most outgoing guy, right? Mm. And so the guys that always rose to the top were the guys that actually list stopped and listened to the customer, gave them options, allowed them to make a decision, and they made the sale. And, and that's my tip is quit talking about selling and start talking about informing, educating, and allowing the customer to uh, make a decision on their own with your professional input. And, and you'll be kind of a crazy thing happens when you do that, then the customer goes, well, what would you do? <laughs> and then you go, there you go. You got it. Yeah, and, and you make the recommendation and, and close the deal. <laughs> that, that's correct. So that's stop focusing on selling when it comes to sales and start focusing on being that brand that you are out there marketing and representing and showing options and allowing the customer to make a decision. And then you'll be very successful. Love it. Love it. Billy Stevens, man. Thanks for coming on the sales factory. Uh, everybody, if you like this, make sure to leave a review uh, on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the podcast and then make sure you subscribe to the podcast. So you'll get notified on any future updates. I hope you enjoyed this talking to Billy Stevens. Gotta say, you know, plumber extraordinaire from the Dallas Fort Worth area. Now moving into uh, changing the game with service shifts. So you guys be on the lookout for that come April around April, 2020. Billy, thanks so much for coming on, buddy. All right, man. I appreciate it. Have a great day. All righty. Hey everybody, it's Coach Carroll. If you enjoyed the interview, again, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. But real quick, I wanted to make a quick announcement. Uh, Ignite 2020 tickets are on sale. Uh, if you follow me on social media, you've probably been watching me uh, the past couple weeks talk about this event. Uh, it's something that's uh, I'm very passionate about and looking forward to. You can find all the details on the event at louisvilleignite.com. It's also probably all over any of my social media channels, so you can find it there as well. Uh, We hope to see you there. Uh, Tickets are $250, but uh, we do have some early bird discounts, so go check that out right now as soon as you're listening to this, and uh, I hope to see you at the event. Thanks so much.